So you do your 117 days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've nutted in 117 days. Correct. Yeah. How does that feel? Welcome to the New Age Sage Podcast, where you come to free your mind from all the things that keep you in suffering. Today's guest is Alex Wolf. He is a serial entrepreneur who has founded several holistic health companies. We get into the topics of celibacy, not ejaculating, and how to be a good entrepreneur. Please like and subscribe. Thank you. Alex, welcome on the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. So let's start with what you're working on now. What am I working on? With eons and everything you're doing. Yeah, working on uh, quite a bit. Uh, I like to say that we're building the Unilever of wellness with Circadian Wellness. It's a a brand incubator for many different uh, wellness brands. And the first one that we brought to market is Eons. It's a functional uh, mushroom biotech brand. And uh, we're harnessing the power of mushrooms, functional mushrooms, um, and bringing them to the world in fun and innovative ways. Um, We just launched in November in 50 states. The feedback's been phenomenal. And uh, just expanding into Canada and soon Mexico and Brazil and Costa Rica and Uruguay. So we're going international. What what uh, got you into functional mushrooms in the first place? Got me into functional mushrooms. It was, uh, take you back to 2019. I was living in Los Angeles, California. And uh, I was uh, launching another business at the time called Shop CBD. And uh, we had big aspirations for for CBD at the time. It was a big wave here in North America. And um, I was, for the first time in my life, starting to get anxiety, uh, major anxiety, brain fog. Um, I was struggling, you know, and all my relationships were suffering from it. Um, until one day I got a, uh, and I was doing lots of, I was doing lots of stuff. I was working out, I was meditating, I was eating pretty clean, but I was still struggling and my relationships were suffering. And then one day I got a call from a shareholder and, uh, he was a naturopathic doctor and he asked how I was doing, how the business was going. And I took the opportunity to tell him the truth. And I said, not that good. You know, I have brain fog, I have fatigue, um, anxiety, like for the first time, I don't know what's going on. I can't seem to shake it. And he said three words to me, he said, heal your gut. And I was like, tell me more. And um, he's like, look, I've been studying the gut biome for 20 years. And if you could come to understand the relationship uh, between your gut, the sun, the soil, fungi, your brain and beyond, you'll upgrade your relationship to nature and you'll shift from a consumer to a co-creator in this world. And that line just astonished me. And I became uh, obsessed with studying gut health and um, and mushrooms. How mushrooms played a part in that? They play a big part in your in your gut. I learned that eighty percent of your immune system is in your gut, mm-hmm. and uh, mushrooms are very biologically valuable to your gut. Uh, so I started uh, a functional mushroom protocol of reishi mushroom for sleep, cordyceps mushroom for energy, lion's mane for co- cognitive function, uh, turkey tail and chaga for gut health. And I stacked that with uh, breath work and cold therapy. And within a few weeks, my anxiety was gone. Everything totally shifted, you know? So it's more of like a, a health issue versus like something traumatic or certain like thought patterns. It's mostly just like a health perspective, which, which I believe it mostly is for most people. Like I, I do believe, you know, of course, trauma is real. We have our own like addiction to fear and stuff. But like in my experience, getting the health stuff right kicks out like the majority of it. I agree. It's a huge connection. It's a huge thing between your gut health and your mental health. There's a there's a symbiotic access that goes down. If you have good gut health, you have good mental health and vice versa. So they're very much connected. So having a good gut um, 
can clear up a lot of issues. Yeah. And I learned that firsthand. Yeah. On the, on the mental side of things, beyond the, the gut, what are some things you picked up on in your experience in your life to keep your uh, mental, your mental forest or garden, wherever it may be, clear? So you got the health stuff down, the gut stuff down. Like, what are some things you've learned over time to make sure, like, what are your biggest takeaways or lessons in life that keep your head on straight? Mm. Well, as I've shared with you before, I have a pretty rigorous morning routine and that's all to get my, you know, physical, mental, spiritual self in check. Uh, I, I call it raising my frequency. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer that your, your frequency is your currency and uh, your frequency is really what you do frequently. It's who you are frequently, the most frequent, and it's the energy that you give off. So I have a pretty rigorous morning routine um, and it, it goes to what you alluded to. Like, I, I like to say, you know, I've learned this from my, my mentor, Garen Jones, that your mind is like a garden and the thoughts that you put in your mind will, will grow into, so you, you got to be very conscious of what, what thoughts you're putting in there. So I like to fill up my garden in the morning with very uh, positive thoughts. And, and I read, you know, I read books that uh, are filling up this garden with, um, with powerful thoughts to, to raise my frequency up in the morning. So I read Tao Te Ching, I read the Holy Bible. Uh, that's, that's the first things that I put in my garden every day. So I, I cultivate those thoughts into, to fruitful beliefs and actions. And, um, I, I do my best not to put anything negative in my garden, uh, especially in the beginning of the day. What's your strategy when you, you have some bad weeds? <laughs> um, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big biohacker. So I like to biohack my way out of these thoughts and really, you know, put myself in uncomfortable situations to, to really sit with them in the like infrared sauna and, you know, just get myself to a really uncomfortable position where I'm really feeling these thoughts. And then I realize that they don't serve me. Uh, but I go through the process of feeling them now and, you know, fully feeling them in an uncomfortable situation as well. So they, they bubble up in my being, then I face them head on. I look at what's going on and I realize, yeah, this is all in my ego. This is all my conscious brain. That's creating something that, you know, creating some problem for me to solve. Yeah. And then I go through it and I feel it and then I let it go. It's a good point. I think why I say that is we often too, we too often go to straight, like fighting the thoughts versus getting to a place where we realize that it's coming from unprocessed sensation. We don't, we don't want to feel. And I notice it too. Like if I get in my sauna, for something about that, never, no one ever put it that way. But when I'm in like an uncomfortable situation, whether it be, you know, doing a long workout or being in a sauna or deep meditation, breath work, you really start feeling what you've been repressing. Why do you think that is? Why, why in your experience do you think that highly uncomfortable situations bring up the emotions to a point where we can't not feel them? Yeah, I believe in that uncomfortable situation, you just you don't have much of a choice. It's all being brought up. It, it's just, it's kind of forcing you to be present with it. Um, there's no distraction. So I'd like willingly put myself in these uncomfortable conversations, uh, conversations as well, but situations where I have no choice but to face what's going on. Cause I used to do the opposite of that. I used to distract myself with, you know, cannabis or alcohol or women or scrolling or stuffing with food. Um, smoking, you know, I've, I've been to through all those unhealthy modalities and they definitely didn't work. So now I just do the opposite. It's like, okay, force myself to sit with this uncomfortableness, um, or have an uncomfortable conversation and really just gently work my way through it. Give my, allow myself the space to be able to sit with it and, and feel it fully.
take me back to the time where you were running away the most. Mm. When you were, you know, maybe your cannabis consumption was high, your woman consumption was high. Like, what, <laughs> what, what was the point in your life when you, were, when you were really running away? Yeah, I'd say, well, my 20s, it was just completely unconscious. I was just having a lot of fun in my 20s, and I wasn't even aware this stuff was going on. And I don't really have any regrets about that. I feel like the 20s is, is kind of for that. Um, you know, that's just my humble opinion. Uh, 30s is when I started to become more aware of this stuff. And I, ha I was lucky enough to have a mentor that was calling me out on this stuff. So then it became very clear. Well, it became a lot more clear that I was doing this. Um, but yeah, I'd say in my early 30s, um, I was really abusing cannabis. And um, I was, you know, I was womanizing as well as a distraction to not face these, um, you know, these traumas or these uh, uncomfortable. What did abusing cannabis look like? What was that like the oh, choices of that? Yeah, I went through phases. Um, you know, I, I used cannabis as as a crutch and I used cannabis as a way to um, justify um, my behaviors and my actions. And I would come up with clever ideas, uh, how it was serving me in my life. And I would use those stories to justify my behaviors. Um, but looking back, I, I personally believe it was, it was just a crutch to, to not face certain things that I've went on to face and, and let it go. What was that thing that helped you not need it anymore? Like what was the wound that you moved through to no longer need the weed? What was the wound that I moved through to no longer? Because for me, like I used to, I used to smoke like half an ounce a week. I, I used to be a like cr super, I was a stoner, chronic. but chronic user, yeah, among other yeah. things. I was a crazy person back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, why I stopped doing it is like there was certain wounds in me that were causing it. And when I released those, like now I can, I haven't smoked weed in years, but if I do, I wouldn't even need it. It'd be like, oh, okay. You know, it'd be like a, just an experience versus like a need to escape something. So what, what was like, do you believe, what were the the wounds or thoughts? Like, what was it that you were actually needing to, to escape? I believe I was, I was probably craving more feminine energy in my life. And, um, you know, I have a good relationship with my mom, especially now. She was a great mom. You know, she, she would show me love in different love languages than maybe that what I was expecting. And it took me many years to realize that. She was an amazing mom. She still is. Um, you know, she would cook. She would do my laundry. She would do all this stuff showing me that she loved me. Uh, but maybe I wanted more physical touch, you know. So I started uh, chasing that with women. And when I didn't get it from women, I would fill that void with cannabis. And uh, that, you know, cannabis is a feminine energy too. So I, I used that as a cycle a lot of time to uh, avoid sitting with that uh, discomfort or you know, emptiness that uh, I felt for a while that I didn't get from my mom. But when I, you know, addressed this with my mom, I had deep talks with my moms o over the past couple of years, um, you know, we, we got to realize like she did love me immensely. Like my mom's loved me more than any other human being in the world. And so I got to realize that, you know, and, and realize she actually does have unconditional love for me. And it was just her way of showing love was maybe different than what I was expecting as a unknowing child yeah how are you giving that feminine energy back to yourself uh, in yourself i'm in the same journey too i'm trying to figure that out of how to you know be with that i think with i mean i follow carl Jung's theory that that woman that men that the men's soul or the men's like uh, like 
ability to be in their body is like the feminine energy that a man's soul is like feminine that's why we can see a beautiful lady and go like we feel this divine like whoa because it's like projecting our soul and woman it's like a a masculine essence so how are you giving yourself that like divine feminine energy in yourself without projecting or needing it from somewhere else that's a great question i'd say over the last year i've really just chosen my soul you know constantly choosing my soul to put my energy into I like the way that you put that very much, Lucas. It was that was cool. Uh, yeah, really, just choosing my soul over and over and over, so I'm not looking for any external validation or any uh, anything from women. And then it's like filling up my own cup all the time, you know. And and that whole process is just very fulfilling, and um, it, it's empowering. And uh, it took me many years to realize this. You know, I'm almost forty, but I'm starting to starting to dial it in. <laughs> yeah, I'm asking because I, I haven't really figured it out yet. Um, specifically what I want to ask you about that is how are you, and one, how are you listening to your soul? How can you actually recognize his voice versus the ego? That's one thing I'm still figuring out. And two, what are ways you're nurturing it or, or gardening it or, or feeding it in a way? Like what ways are you feeding your soul versus your ego? Yeah. And how do you make that difference? Good question again. Um, for me, lately in the past couple of years, it's all about nature. It's really just reconnecting with nature, tapping into nature and, and listening in nature. And after practicing this for a while, I start to really realize the difference of what's the voice in my head, you know, what's that ego or identities, and there's a few of them in there, versus what's, you know, the sound from nature and spirit. And um, I believe nature is always trying to communicate with us. We just have to take the time to listen. And um, I, that's a daily practice for me. What's the difference in thought or like sound? What's the key difference you notice that you can be like, oh, okay, that's nature? Well, nature doesn't speak in English. So it's very easy for me to tell because if I hear the voice in English, that's just language. You know, nature is not communicating with me in in English. You know, it doesn't know that I speak English. It's communicating me in sound and frequency and vibration. And, you know, I believe that's the, the secret is, is what, tapping into frequency and vibration and energy. It's all energy. You know, so it's it's getting more familiar with that and uh, getting more familiar with the frequencies. And then it's like you alluded to earlier, just really feeling it. It's not like a analyzing. It's not a logical brain like, oh, what does that mean? It's like, oh, it's a feeling. And the more you practice this, I find the more the channels get open. And there's, there's an infinite amount of channels to tap into, uh, especially with spirit. But it's really just leaning into that frequency and, and feeling it and then communicating, you know, like that. And what space in yourself do you feel the most open to receive? Like what, what habits, what moments, like what in your day happens to when you're in a space where you're like, ooh, you're just channeling a bunch of great things. Like what does it take to get there for you? I'd say it takes, there's two different, <laughs> there's two different paths that I usually take just for myself. One is in the morning when I'm in like a very much theta state, you know, it's, I've woken up in the morning, I haven't checked my phone for the first hour and I'm really, you know, in a, a very open state of mind. I like to call it theta state. And um, I lay on my meditation bed and I put on some some frequencies, 432 hertz or 528 hertz. And uh, I just blast my body with these frequencies and, and vibrations. And uh, I'm just open and I, I'm choosing to be open. There's a conscious choice where I'm literally saying to myself and saying out loud, I choose to be open and I choose to receive. And that's a very different feeling. It's a very different um, way to be than than just being in like my my matrix body or my human body yeah. it's like no i'm what, choosing what amazes me about you saying that is that you are a successful serial entrepreneur and you know 
growing up with that environment, my, my dad is, is that way too. And seeing him function, gave me a blueprint how to function. His way of functioning was, I only, I'm only worthy of love to myself, it came from his mom, mm. if I was doing things, if I was right. accomplishing things. It's a cliche for most men, right? For sure. And you were rewarded that way, I'm assuming for many years, you were rewarded. You know, society gave you large amounts of money and people loving you saying, hey, if you, by, by what you did. Yes. So how did you go about, sorry, how did you realize that was a problem first? And then how did you go about shifting that to where you can actually do the same job, but with a more embodied essence? Love this question. So I, I had very much that same um, train of thought and, and wound or modality for the first probably 30 years of my life unknowingly, I was really doing things to make my mom proud and my parents proud, you know, and th th there was this, you know, my parents um, very cleverly as a child would give me a lot more attention when I would do things versus rather if I would say I would do things like if I had an idea for something, mm. I felt like I didn't get much attention or much, much, yeah, much attention from it. But if I came home and I was like, hey, I got an A plus on my report card or I scored, you know, 23 points in basketball today or I hit a home run in baseball or I threw a touchdown in football, I was celebrated, you know, and it was like a big thing at the dinner table and I had these memories. So it was like I got very much kind of programmed that you do good, you'll be rewarded, you know, and my parents were very much part of the reward system and it, and it worked to a big extent. Like I accomplished a lot in the matrix. I was one of yeah, go ahead. No, I was just laughing. Go keep, keep talking. Yeah, I, I was. I accomplished a lot of things in, in the Matrix world, you know, because of this. And I have no regrets for that. But then it got to a point when I was like 30 years old and I became aware that I was doing this for my mom, you know. And then it was like my mom's behavior, my mom's response. And it's nothing against my mom. I love my mom so much. I, I love you, mom. You're the best. But um, I real I like her. her reaction wasn't didn't meet my expectation. And then it just like, it was like an aha moment. I was like, wow, I'm actually still doing this for my mom. Like, mm -hmm. when am I going to start doing this for myself? Or, you know, in a few years later, like for my soul, what does my soul really want to do? And then, so this all like those questions, asking that to myself and deep exploring and, you know, psychedelics got involved there as well and tapped into some stuff there, um, really showed me that like, it's all about what lights my soul up, you know, it's not for my parents anymore. It's really like what lights me up physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, like it's a feeling. And now it's like, I'm very aware of that feeling when I get lit up and I get these goosebumps or it's like, okay, this is my path. My soul is very excited here. And when my soul gets excited, you know, I'm still able to accomplish things in the matrix, but now it's like, it's on a soul level. It's really cool. Yeah. You said something there that, that lit me up that, I believe that our, our shadows or our wounds, I think our soul chose them. I do. I, I, if I didn't have my childhood, which was, well, I love my parents. It wasn't good in many ways. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't have the drive I did. I wouldn't have any desire to do what I do. Like the reason I get up every morning and do this, like I try and shift it to a place of love, but it's there because of my trauma in some way, like because of those woundings of, of being conditionally loved. I had, it had to happen. I had to have my dad, I had to have my mom or else I wouldn't be doing any of this. But you said something there that they rewarded you for taking action on an idea, not the idea itself. That is the essence of being a good, good entrepreneur, right? It, it's believing in an idea, believing in yourself to actually carry it through the idea. You know, I've, I've had those moments where I'll see an ad on TV being like, fuck, man, I had that idea. Why didn't I do it? And then right. it sells for a bunch of like, tens of millions of dollars. I'm like, fuck. So what do you think it is in you that, that believed in an idea to take it far? Mm. And why do you think so many people have these ideas, but then just don't take them, right? Because most companies... Pretty simple ideas, but just it was one motherfucker who was like, I'm gonna do this shit and yeah. get it done. So, 
how did you do that? And how do you recommend for young entrepreneurs, people to start taking action on their ideas? Yeah. Okay. So you got some good stuff there. So one, yeah, same. I agree that, you know, that programming for my parents, it worked for me, you know, and, and it, it helped me get things done. And I, I didn't get, so I, I, there was a code there that like, okay, my parents don't get excited by ideas. They get excited by me doing things and accomplishing things. And I remember my dad telling me as a kid, he's like, son, there's two types of people in this world. There's talkers and there's doers. Which one are you going to be? And in that moment, I literally chose to, like I decided to be a doer, you know, and I got a lot of things done. Became a commercial pilot at, you know, 19 years old. You know, I was very focused on accomplishing things. And that was a big driver. Like, and it's like you said, those, those programs you know, those made me do all these things, you know, so I'm very grateful for them. It, it, but then there's, you get older and you start to get these understandings that, okay, there's, there's something deeper going on. And the difference between, you know, anybody can have an idea. Ideas are, are good. You know, everything starts with a good idea, but it's only really taking action, taking inspired action. That's the difference maker, you know, and I believe these ideas come to people and it's only, their ego or their belief system or their identity that gets in the way of that. And it, you know, starts filling up the garden with excuses of why you shouldn't do it. You know, oh, that's a stupid idea or whatever unworthiness, you know, there's a lot of programming there. Um, and it's like breaking through that, like it's not being limited by what your identity says. Like your identity can very much be the anti-hero of your story. You know, it's like, so it's like, you want to, you want to make your identity, your training partner. So it's like, it's, it's motivating you. And if it says like, you can't do this, it's like, oh, I'm going to show you, I'm going to do this. And, and, and really tapping to your soul and your soul is limitless. So it's like not being limited by whatever your ego mind says, um, just pushing past the limits. And this is something I, I really encourage in my team with my family and my friends is like, you're not your limitations. Your limits are fake. And, and it's really up to you to, to push past them. Yeah. How did you believe in yourself enough to not, not listen to those ideas in your head? Mm -hmm. I think that's the key metric is, you know, entrepreneurs who couldn't, you know, go against that and to hear those uh, self-limiting beliefs to some degree, believe in themselves enough to overcome those ideas. So, how did you do that? How did you cultivate enough self-belief in yourself? And how do you still do that? Because I think it's an energy thing. It's like a frequency thing that you your energy is beyond that, right? Because if I'm in like a victim, low frequency state, when those ideas come, I listen. Because mm. I can't battle them. But when you're in that high frequency state, you know, post-workout, post-sauna, post-meditation, it's just those things won't even phase you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's now it's like constantly raising my frequency to be able to fend off those negative thoughts and realizing they're just negative thoughts, being very aware of those thoughts. Um, but what got me to this stage was, I'll tell you a story, growing up, I was very afraid of heights. You know, uh, I think something happened when I was a kid, I might have fallen off a balcony. And for my whole childhood, I was very afraid of heights. I wouldn't go on roller coasters or any rides at the amusement park. And then thanks to my parents, again, um, they convinced me to take a flying lesson when I was 17 years old. And uh, I was I had so much resistance, you know, I was so scared. And they're like, oh, they convinced me to do it. And I get in the airplane with the instructor, we take off. And then within seconds, he's like, okay, you have control of the airplane and I had no choice but to grab the, the yoke. And, and he said, you know, say you have control. And then it was with those words that I had control. And then I started flying the airplane. And all of a sudden, now I'm flying the airplane, I'm looking around and I'm, I'm loving it. And I'm like, I had this 
like aha moment again was like, oh my God, all this time I was afraid of heights and now I'm flying a plane. Like I realized though that that limiting belief, that fear was fake, you know, it was just something that I had believed. So it's like, and then from then on, I was very aware of that. So I, I had very little, almost no fear for the next, you know, 15 years of my life. I was like really fearless and pushing those limits all the time because I had that big code. So I had that code and then now it's like, okay, those limits are, the, are just there. Sometimes they're there to protect you, you know, and which is fine, but sometimes they're there to really test you or limit you. And it's like, it's like constantly, you know, putting yourself in these situations, being aware of that resistance, you know, and like hearing that voice and being like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to go push past that. And then you do, and then you constantly do that. You're going to build confidence and, and confidence combined with clarity is a very powerful uh, combination. Because when we're afraid of something, we don't think that it's like an invitation. It seems like a, on one level, it is a protective mechanism to not do it. But on a deeper level, I do believe that whatever you're resistant to or scared of, sometimes that's your invitation to do it, right? And for me, I have this fear of, you know, really sitting down. It's part, I'm a writer as well. Sitting down and writing uh, like a long fiction book. That's my, my life's work. And I'm so scared of it. And mm -hmm. for me, to me, that means like you got to do it. Yeah. For many things, it's also that way. So is there anything right now that you have that way that you've truly conquered all, all of your fears? I wouldn't. That's a good question. I'm I'm constantly putting myself in these uncomfortable conversations and and situations to challenge myself. You know, it's like never get too comfortable. And I'm fortunate enough, like I have a, a business that's really expanding, so it's like constantly new challenges are showing up, and I'm I'm having to step into these these occasions of uncomfortability so i'm i'm fortunate enough that i'm constantly constantly being challenged um you know public speaking and, and is something that i'm constantly facing like i still get super nervous before i get on stage but i hear that voice of resistance and it's like okay i gotta go show up you know it's it's up to me to do it so public speaking is still one that i'm i'm working on getting better um but yeah, it's everyday stuff, you know, it's um, it's no different than anybody. It's it's everyday. In your everyday stuff, in your busy life, and all the things you have to do as an entrepreneur and someone who owns a company, how are you staying grounded? Like, how are you not getting into that mode that we previously talked about of always doing and you, you need to prove through doing? Mm. How are you man managing that while also being good at what you do? Because that's where I'm at. It's like mm. I used for for all my life, I used that wounding as fuel to do better, right? I have mm. to prove to that dude, that girl, all these things, or my dad, that I can succeed. And that gave me a lot of juice, but it was destroying me. Mm. Now I'm figuring out, how, okay, how do I shift from a healthier place? So how are you doing that? How are you doing everything you do while remaining in a state, in a higher state of love and, and, mm. and service? How did you make that shift? Yeah, so it's really focusing on my why. You know, why do I do this? And like, as long as I stay grounded in my why, which is to like stay in my heart, that is my why. I want to lead a heart-led company. You know, I want to change the paradigm of how businesses are run. And that's not easy. You know, we've been living in this matrix for so long with all these, you know, old school ways of, of operating businesses. So my why is to, to lead from the heart. So that's constantly making me get into my heart, have these uncomfortable conversations, you know, show up as a, as a heart-led leader. And um, that's my why. And if I don't do that, then, you know, I'm not really on my mission. I'm not on my path. And then I get that reflected back to me with my team. You know, I, I manage a team of of 13 geniuses, you know, like they're all geniuses in their own right. I've been very lucky at, at, at you know, bringing in this team together. So 
with that, there's a lot of big egos. There's a lot of big energies. And if I don't show up in a, in a, in a big way, it's reflected back to me, you know, energy precedes matter. So I'm constantly being tested and constantly being challenged by my own, um, abilities to expand. So, yeah. yeah. In what ways you keep referring to the matrix In what ways <laughs> do you feel like the, the matrix we live in, especially I think you're referring to some form of like capitalism mm. and the way we treat it. How do you think it's broken and what, how can we change it and why do we need to change it? Mm. Well, I, I feel like, yeah, it's, it's creating a new system, you know, matrix is just a system and it, and it serves its, its purpose in a lot of ways. And it serves its purpose for us to learn and grow and evolve as human beings, like spirit. And, and we we'll talk about soul stuff is always expanding. It's always, it's always growing. It's not here to stay limited. So it's really about this common theme that we've, we've started to touch on here is like pushing past the limits and expanding and, and changing and, and co-creating together. Um, and I believe I believe nature is the answer to that. And I believe nature has all the answers. So it's like, that's why I'm bringing these plant medicines and, and mushrooms and phytoceuticals to the world. So we could, you know, have healthy alternatives to um, put into our bodies and, and tap into organic technology. So we can, you know, push past these, push past these limits that uh, of the matrix and, and get to new horizons. Yeah. I think there's, you know, within capitalism, there's, there's a good part of it, right? That's like, each company is ultimately doing services, like fixing a problem. But most of the time, it's also creating problems that mm. need to be fixed, um, which is a big issue in itself, right? I think there's right now the problem where we're we're profiting off crisis too much, whether mm. it be you know disease, war, like we're just creating issues or or devastation or to profit from it. I think what you're doing and talking to is, is genuinely like using that, that part of capitalism to, to be of service, to mm. truly help people and, and fix things without without causing the issues or without being greedy yeah. in a sense of, of actually being of, of service, service, which is cool. It's a good way of, of, of thinking about it. Thank you. Thank you for recognizing that. And yeah, I agree. It is all for service. Like how can I be of service? How can I help people transform their lives? You know, that's what we're really... Um, driven by is like how many creative stories can we get shared with us of people that it's helped transforms their lives you know and if it's something as simple as taking um you know a cup of coffee a smarter way to drink coffee or, or a gummy bear and they have a better sleep and they have more energy so they could go to the gym or they could go outside or exercise and like just starting with these little things and then they build up the courage to to make big changes in their life like i'm all for it you know but did, yeah. did psychedelics help you get to that space they did yeah Psychedelics played a big role in that. They they opened up a lot of pathways in my mind that I was, um, I was having these limited beliefs, and they just, you know, created a new path that I could see things in a different way. And I was fortunate enough to bring back the you know the downloads from, from those journeys into um, my life and integrate them into my life. Um, but yeah, psychedelics they played a big role. But they also showed me that there's a tremendous amount of responsibility as well. It's not all uh, fun and games. What was the most impactful psychedelic experience you had? The most powerful or the most impactful, I would say, is probably my most recent um, experience with ayahuasca. It was that was by what, far what the was most profound. Like? <laughs> uh, putting into words is is pretty much impossible, but it was definitely the most profound. I got to do the most amount of work on myself uh, through those ceremonies. Um, immense amount of purging, immense amount of um, reflection, and uh, also immense amount of uh, exploring and uh, discovery of um, 
these these other realms, which was pretty pretty cool. <laughs> which one did you new one did you feel connected to, or what did you? I'm just always curious because people have different learn different things, and I, I haven't taken them in a long time. So part of me is hungry. Like I want to learn what you learned. So yeah, what, what other worlds were you? kind of accessing or, or seeing or just too hard to put in words i get i could do my best um you know i got to explore with what it was like to go on these certain timelines and actually like live them out and feel them so then it was like hmm. i got to explore that without actually like, so like your own timelines like different trajectories you can go on in life yeah like, you could see like oh, if i took made this move or did that then this would happen correct okay so that was really cool i never got to to really play around with that before so i was like oh what happened if i i did this and it would literally show me this whole path and i got to like feel it like my my body was able to absorb all that information as if it happened and then now there's no desire to really pursue that path so that was pretty cool i never really experienced that before um the thing is that deep i always think about like you know in a very minute scale like every single choice we make no matter how small it is opens up a whole new new path on that is it ever overwhelming for you intellectually to be like to like be that analytical to be like if i do this one thing how can mm. that affect my whole trajectory do you ever mm. think is it ever overwhelming for you where you get too like second guessing with yourself about that yes and no i believe that all paths will lead to fulfillment and you know our, i believe in soul contracts and that our soul came here for a certain contract to fulfill and our identity is just going to either get us there in a very slow way or a very fast way but it's always going to be attracting the 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 people and circumstances and events for us to learn these lessons or grow in a certain way um so you'll either get there pretty fast or you'll get there slow and, and those choices are all up to you it's all a choice i really truly believe in the power of choice I'm going to give you a break to digest all this amazing information. And in this break, please like, comment, and subscribe. Thank you. So we often talk about a golden timeline. Did you, <laughs> did you see that in your experience? Like, do you see one of like, okay, if I go down this road, then yeah. all everything's cool. Like, how did you figure out like what is my for reference, you can define what a golden timeline yeah. is and then how we can actually go about accessing it. Yeah. yeah. Golden timeline for me is the timeline of your, it's the ultimate timeline for your, your soul path. And uh, it goes back to what I said earlier, like what really lights you up. And in order to really know what lights you up or, or really feel it is like you have to have a clear vessel. You have to have your frequency pretty clear. Like clarity is a big thing for me. Um, that's why I choose a life of, of sobriety with the occasional um psychedelic journey you know with a with a facilitator or a shaman these days but um yeah it's really just being clear with what your soul wants and uh not letting your ego or your identities get in the way like your identity and your soul may want completely different things that's what i've come to learn over the the past couple years and your identity could be programmed on <laughs> what it wants and that could be something totally different than what your soul came here for so now in my, you know, as I approach 40, it's really just getting clear with what my soul wants and dissolving what Alex Wolf wants. You know, they could, they're not always the same thing. Yeah. And so I, I often tell people who are just starting the, the journey, they get kind of pissed at me because how true it is, is that everything you are in reality, in my opinion, is a result of what pain you've processed. Like who you mm. are as a person is what you don't want to feel, right? So I, I, I used to be, you know, uh, like macho 
hyper-masculine womanizer, all, the, all these things. It was who I was and who I thought I was was just someone to avoid all my pain. Mm, yeah. I think, this, as you say, that this, because of spirit and identity want different things, and the more in pain you are, the more your identity is, is entrenched, the more your soul has to attract shitty situations or pain for you to wake the fuck up. And it's painful because, you know, the more entrenched you are in your identity, the more it's going to attract things that can really fuck you up in some ways, like sickness or a toxic relationship or a bad friend, because sometimes it takes that for you to, to wake up. Yeah. So how, how how aware of you of always catching those things? Okay, this is happening to do this. And what are some of the things you attracted into your life that really taught you the most lessons? Well, that's brilliant. How'd you, how'd you figure that out at such a young age? That's so oh, well, good. How'd you figure that out so young? I don't know. It's not me. <laughs> yeah, it's I love that. Me. Well, there you go. You, you just said it. It's it's not me. So it's like you've also tapped into the ability to tap into what your your soul is 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 asking for. And I I, I believe and I, I feel it's a feeling. You know, it's not so much thoughts. Like it's really giving yourself the space and whether that's through meditation or nature or journaling or whatever the running there's lots of practices that we can do. A lot of them involve breathing, you know, just becoming more aware of your breath, um, breath work. And, and I find the more that I do that, the more that I'm just tapping into my breath, the thoughts kind of dissipate. And then the consciousness is allowed to come in and stream in. And then it's more of a, a signal, you yeah. know, from source. And that's really what I'm, that's what really excites me is being able to tap into source more and more. Um, and the more I do that, the better, the better life seems to go. Yeah. In, in my experience, when I have resistance to, cause I think, you know, society, just because you're resistant to meditating, being in nature, it's not because it's not good for you. It's because mm. we live in a sick society that we're so used to doing things all the time, watching Netflix, mm. talking shit. Like we're so used mm. to these things of being a part of our reality that we think that the good stuff is foreign and mm -hmm. that it seems weird. Yeah. And I think that's one part I've had to constantly bypass with my identity is thinking that oh, you don't have to meditate today. You don't have to do it, get an ice bath. You don't have to go for a walk yeah. because it just, our collective consciousness right now feels so foreign yeah. in, in a way. So I think it, it does require a high form of discipline in some way to keep doing those things. How, how important has discipline been for you in all of this and creating your, your life and doing these, these habits, your morning routine, like how important is discipline to you? You, you could discipline for me is one of the most important principles and you could all my friends will tell you this like i i preach discipline it's a big thing in our company as well um because our our identity or our mind or it just wants to keep us in the comfort zone you know and uh, i'm you know i'm a taurus i'm like it's a whole thing for me like to want to just be comfortable and and uh but it's like no it's pushing past that you know so i i was so fortunate to have a mentor in my 30s such a cool guy named spade and he was all about discipline you know and he he had this philosophy where he realized the things are the things in life that he couldn't live without doing like the things that meant the most to him that just lit him up and he would practice these things every day he wouldn't miss these things every day and he called them the discipline his disciplines you know and he passed that knowledge on to me so i've I, like i shared with you i've been doing this routine, this morning routine of my disciplines, because I know that that raises my frequency and uh, frequency is your currency. And, you know, if you want the things and that he taught me this as well, he's like, if you want the things in the world that nobody else has, you have to do the things that nobody else does. So that code really landed in me. So now 
I have this crazy morning routine, <laughs> but uh, it puts me on a frequency where I'm able to to manage and create something in the world that's never been created before. And that's super exciting. What's a practical way? Cause we can say all this and do the same shit. But I always think, <laughs> about, you know, practicality of people who are struggling. Most people really don't have any, any discipline at all, like yeah. zero. And wow. that's okay. You know, I, I, I was the same way too. Let's try and pick apart like what actually gets us there. Like, What do you think is the driving factor for you to wake up every morning and be like, I'm doing this crazy routine, even if I don't want to do it, yeah. right? You know, mine's not as long as yours, but I do get an ice bath every morning. Yeah, that's so, awesome. So I'm faced with that voice every morning being like, oh, you don't, don't do this, take a hot shower, it's, it's whatever, go on your phone, check Instagram. Like, I, I face those voices, but let's try and pick apart like what it is in us, mostly you, mm. better than me. What is it in you that is militant on not giving that voice a path? Yeah, it's... Um... It's because I've been down the other path, you know, I've been down the road where I did the opposite of that. Like I said, I smoked weed and I would drink alcohol and watch sports and, and do all these things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I saw where that path got me. And it's like, well, now I want the opposite of that path. So I have to do the opposite things, you know, like 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 my, my friend Garen Jones says, change your mindset, change your life. So it's really changing my mindset and doing the opposite of all these things, you know, like used to sleep in now i now i wake up early you know i, I yeah. exercise i cold plunge I, I used to love hot showers like who doesn't love a hot shower but i i basically force myself to to do these disciplines but the feeling that i get after is worth it and it's like you can stay in your comfort zone there's nothing wrong with that but i've just been you know i'm just living proof of pushing yourself past the limits will access new opportunities sure. and new doors and I, I encourage that for yeah. everybody and sometimes just like something small like you know go for a walk start your day with a walk outside in nature yeah see what happens yeah, early on in my in my uh podcasting i had a former professor of mine in college who's like i think the world leading <clears throat> one of the world leading anxiety and habit change experts mm. what he recommended is sorry exactly what you said which is he did it intuitively, intuitively, which is cool. It took him 20 years of, of tests to get here. <laughs> but he realized that it's exactly like in, in your body. He said, don't even think about it. Don't go to your logic. In your body, feel the two paths. Mm. Like if you're changing a new habit, right? It's like, okay, what in my body would I feel like if I do this thing again, right? If it's checking your phone first thing in the morning versus going on a walk. Yeah. How would I feel after checking my phone? Mm. Like the whole day, zoom out the whole day. Like how would I feel mm. in four hours? What's the effect of this in four hours if I check my phone right now in bed? What's the effect of me getting up and going on a walk over the whole day? How does that make my whole day better? When you really feel that in your body, when you feel mm. the effect of that on your body in the first one versus the second one, like something lights up in you where you're like, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I just can't. I think it's the habit of reflexively doing it, like just intellectually without thinking about or feeling into how it would feel in a while is what creates the bad habit in a way. So I think you're just, you're, you're intuitively doing that in a way and feeling every morning of like, if I don't do this, this is what my day will feel like. And that, for people who have high aspirations, is enough, is enough to not do it. Mm -hmm. So I try and do it in my mind, at least in, intuitively, if I, if I like, in a space where I want to check my phone or check Instagram, like, what's the effect of that over time, mm -hmm. you know? And also, there's also a thing, I, I saw a quote that if you, if you do, you know, something once, it's just a mistake. If you do the same thing twice, you don't want to do it. It, it starts becoming, it's a choice, becomes a habit yeah. in a way. So it's, it's being, being careful with that. Well said. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I love that you're onto this at such a young age. Like it took me many years to get there. So, you know, you have infinite potential of, of applying these things. Like by the time you're my age, you'll be a super guru. So I don't know, <laughs> maybe, um, I wanted to turn to more of a, a practical, you know, entrepreneurial side of things. Sure. Um, 
what are some direct... I think we all have a passion in some ways, mm. right? We all have a, a mission or a purpose. It's a difference in having a mission or a calling and, and then turning it into a business nowadays. So mm. what are ways that you can maybe outline or recommend for people who have a passion or an inkling or a desire to do something in the world and start turning it into a business? It's two very different things. It's hard to actually make that, that shift. Yeah, it's hard, but it's worth it. I agree. Um, it's worth it. It's like finding what lights you up. Find what lit you up as a kid even too. That's been another thing. And like, do your best to just bring that in the world, you know, like do what you love. And I know it's cliche, but like do what you love. Find something that, that makes you passionate and gets you excited and enthusiastic. Like being enthused is such a wonderful feeling. So it's like, just stick with that, you know, and really find what lights you up and then just do that. And the money will come, you know, you're going to attract the right people, circumstances and events to somehow make a living into this. You just have to have trust and faith and belief in your, in yourself and your soul path. And, um, otherwise like look at the other path, like who would want to do something that is so you know, not, not that, you know, that's just monotonous and boring. And like, it's, it just feels to me like it's not a good feeling and you really like, you want to do something that really lights you up. So what you're recommending isn't so much of like a, you know, do to do outline, like do all the shits more. So if it comes from the heart, like getting in a space where you're so open, your frequency so high that you're so embodying what you want to do, that things will kind of just start working out for you. Yeah. Like, as long as you put yourself out there, you know, and, 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 go and meet people and talk about what you're passionate about, you know, like can't really do it and in staying inside your house. Like you're going to find, find community, find people that share the same passions, get out there, do it. If you want to create content about it, that's one thing about the matrix these days. You can put content out there of something that you're passionate about and it may land with people and you know, it could be a whole thing. So, but you gotta, you gotta take the leap. You have to have a leap of faith, but I would just say like, staying in your heart and doing something that lights you up, whether it's singing, dancing, painting, whatever the thing is that's creative, like put more energy into that, put more energy into yourself, um, find the things that light you up. Cause like life is short. Life is a, is a gift. And, uh, I would, you know, it's just my humble opinion. You want to spend your life doing something that really lights you up. Were you ever doing something that wasn't lighting you up? Hmm. I've been very fortunate to like, be, I'd have, I'd have pretty cool jobs over the years, you know, but, um, was it, <laughs> yeah. was it ever like a point where you liked it, where you felt I'm, I'm not worthy, but I'm something out there is better for me. Yeah, for, for sure. That's for sure. There's different stages in life, yeah. you know? And like, I, I would always seek something that was of more of a challenge or more expansive and take on more responsibility. But, you know, for one time I was, I was an assistant manager at the, one of the biggest, I think it was the biggest nightclub in Canada. And at the time that was like, it was a blast, you know, like EDM was the big thing. And it was meeting all these DJs and having, you know, basically paid to party with, with the coolest people in town. And it was, it was awesome. But even that reached a plateau where it wasn't exciting anymore, you know? And it was like, okay, I, I could, I could channel this energy into something bigger and better for the world. Like alcohol and, and partying just became not, exciting anymore so it's like really going with what's exciting and keep keeping that channel clear so you could be on a you know make better decisions yeah I, i'm curious as to what it takes someone to make that leap 
I think going back to the same point we talked about that, you know, I have so many friends. So I, I'm from New York City. All my friends from college went to New York City. Same route, like I want to be in finance or consulting. Totally fine. But the problem I see is that they're all miserable, even if it's unconscious. Like they do not, they, their soul knows that they're not meant to be doing that. Yeah. It's okay. They're, they're young. It's around. I'm not saying it's a shame by any means, but it's just not creating fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's just a monotonous you know, matrix task to, because their dad wanted to do it some way mm. and they know it, but there's millions of people in the world like this mm-hmm. and who, even if they have the skills to not do it and they can get another job, it's just something keeps them in it and, mm. and keeps them in the same trajectory that they don't want to get out of. Mm-hmm. Is it, do you think as simple as just feeling into your timelines being mm-hmm. like, what does my life look like in 20 years? If I keep doing this shit. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's the most motivating factor to get, to get out of that situation? I think, yeah, I think that's a brilliant idea. And like, I got to like, give kudos to you lucas like that's a, a really smart way or a really intelligent way to to go into it because i do believe like feeling is the secret and you got to like get through the thoughts and just like feel into it so i would say that's a pretty effective way to do it and it's free and it won't you know just your own time and discipline to do it and um yeah the other the other thing is just like just do the opposite of what you're doing and see what happens. You know, like if this is getting you this result, why not try, you know, increasing your, your health or, you know, and putting more energy into your mental health or your spiritual health or your physical health and, and just seeing the results that come from that. What was the one thing you did in your life that made the most change? Wow. Big question. Um, well, getting my, my gut health in check was a big thing. Was it- that big? It was pretty big, man. It, what, it gave me clarity. The, clarity was a it gave me clarity. And clarity is like, and now it's like, once you've had clarity, it's very, it's not fun to go back to being unclear, you know? And I could easily tell when I put something in my body, that's like, ah, this is not the vibe. Um, so that was a big one in the most recent years, you know, doing ayahuasca the first time was a big heart opening experience. That was like pre- pretty big. Showed me like what it's like to be in your heart where I was living in my head the whole other time. That was big. And I'd say just like one in the past couple of years, as silly as it sounds, is like cold therapy and breath work, like being really tapped in with your breath. It sounds super simple, but it's like it's a game changer. And I truly believe if like someone just spent a year paying attention to their breath, it'd be more effective than going to therapy. Like it's super powerful. And cold therapy, too, is a total game changer. Like if you're not taking cold showers, like it's it could be something so simple that can really just fire you right up. For sure. Yeah, I, I agree. But um, what is your breath work practice look like now? Is it so I've noticed in myself is I can do like a 10 minute meditation or Wim Hof breath work. But what's most effective is actually me just being aware of how I'm breathing throughout the day. Like I'll catch myself going like like quick inhales in my mouth. Yeah. And I'll immediately cause I know what I know. I'll be like, that's destroying me right now. That's why I'm so stressed. So is it that like that for you, just kind of catching how you're breathing throughout the day? And what are you trying to focus on when you're trying to breathe better? What's your go-to like breathing pattern throughout the day? Yeah, it's really just breathing through your nose, slow and steady, like as simple as it sounds. There's even counts that you could do like four seconds in, hold it for four seconds, out for four seconds. The one I've been playing with for the past couple years now is just really extending my exhale. Like, you, you know, this one, like your inhale is going to happen on its own, but like the longer you can exhale, there's something that happens in your body where it releases more serotonin and or dopamine. And, um, it just puts you, it gets you out of the uh, fight or flight state and puts you into a parasympathetic state just by extending that exhale. So that's a nice little like biohacking, little simple code. 
Yeah. So the in terms of biohacking, not, I'm not saying you do this, but the only beef I have with biohacking, like, I'm I'm, I'm biohacker, biohacker in many ways. Yeah. Is I think because I when I started as a biohacker was because I was I went from a drug addict mm. to biohacker addict yeah. where it was a way <laughs> yeah. of like. I, the same shit I didn't want to feel yeah. and run away from, yeah. I got the same effect from biohacking, right? Yep. So it was the constant ice baths, the two workouts a day, all like the supplements and the red lights, all, all these things. I was crazy about it. It was me just avoiding my shit. So mm -hmm. how are you careful to like, as a biohacker, to not use it as a way to avoid what is in your body? Mm -hmm. That's a great point. And I have this conversation with people and I, I, I really love that point. Let's say there's like biohacking for me is like, just getting rid of the the silly thoughts in my head that are not serving me you know and it's like when those start when i'm not tending to the garden too much it's like okay let's go and do like a deep clean in the garden right now because like it's getting carried away um so that's for me what biohacking serves the other you know the other alternative is just sit with it you know and sit with the emotions the emotions are a different thing though like i i, I believe like the emotions comes from the thoughts and the thoughts comes from your belief system so it's a lot deeper, but those are usually like deeper rooted things that need to be sat mm -hmm. with, you know, and there's like deep programming there, you know, whether it's unworthiness or abandonment or, you know, fear of, of being loved or these kind of things. So those like really need to be sat with and those like, and sometimes it's only for like five, 10 minutes, like really just give your body the opportunity to feel all these things for once. And like, it, it, you can't really hold on to it for that too long if you're really spending the time feeling about it. So that's one. But then when it comes to the thoughts, like, it's just my opinion, but like, for me, that's really like a choice. Like your thoughts are, you choose your thoughts, you know? So it's like getting clear with what you're choosing to think about, you know? And sometimes that's just like- Yeah, I'm a bit tricky with that. Uh, I mean, disagree, but it, it's, I, I, it helps me or people most when I say you can choose your afterthought. Mm. I think that thoughts are reflexive in some way. They just pop up. I think you could choose your reaction to them, right? Mm. Like thoughts are, you know, like, you know, I don't know, you shit in a way. It just kind of comes out. Mm. But you can choose like you're the one after in a way. Is that what you're kind of getting at? Yeah, know? that's what I'm kind of getting at. It's like you want... Do you think you could actually choose like the reflexive ones? Do you think you could do that? You choose how, how focus much on, you, attention focus? you want yeah. to give into it. Yeah. That's what I'll say. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. It's like a thought will come up and it's like it's like kicking up dust. You know, someone put this, a wise person gave this to me, that gave this to me. It's like the thought comes and it's like kicking up dust in your mind. And it's like noise. And it's like, how much attention do you want to give to that noise? And like, it's just like, okay, let the dust settle. Like, don't like grab onto each particle of dust and like run with it because yeah. it's just noise. Like it's for me, it's like we talked about earlier. It's like just getting clear with the signal. And how do you get on the signal? You breathe, you let that dust just like dissipate. And now like, then you're getting like a stream of consciousness coming in from yeah. your higher self. Yeah, that's one thing I... I struggle with intellectually is I, I i am a biohacker in many ways and also i try and follow mostly buddhist, buddhist philosophy that's what helped me most in my life is yeah. is um i have no problem with religion but i've more so benefited from from buddhist ideologies mm -hmm. and the core of buddhism is is being free of desire especially the free mm. uh being free of the desire to change your state mm. of being of, mm. of feeling right and i think for me whenever i biohack at some core of it is a desire to feel better it's a desire yeah. to to upgrade my state of mind to upgrade my energy and it kind of goes against that mm. philosophy so it's, it's weird because at some level even i try to play with it right as you said if i'm really feeling something i don't want to be with and i just sit with it and try and just sit with it and not have desire to change it something mm. happens where it actually clears mm. and it also happens with, with biohacking so how do you manage that 
that balance of like making sure you're not like desiring to escape. And yeah. also it's it's a tough line that I can't really understand or get a good grasp on. I'm playing with it and I love that. I love that you brought this up. It's like the Buddhist thing for me, it's awesome. And for me, what comes up when you say that is acceptance, you know, and acceptance is a it's a really high state of consciousness. You know, it's like the first step of having an elevated consciousness is just to accept what is. And I used to think what you're just saying, I used to agree with that. Like desire is like the root of all suffering, you know, but what I've come to understand slightly, what I'm learning and I'm playing with is that there's always desire. Like I desire a cup of coffee in the morning. Yeah. Like there's no point in like telling myself I don't desire that cup of coffee. So it's like that, that cup of coffee, like that desire is going to make me go and have an Eon smart coffee, you know? Um, and then my desire to feel alive is going to get me to go outside and, you know, tap into nature or go for a run or play with my dog. Like, so it's like, hmm. yeah, I'm really, I love that you brought this up because it's something I'm really realizing is like, I don't think we can escape desire and the suffering is more just like, is our approach to it. idea just popped up for me. Yeah. That you might agree with is, is like choosing your desires. Hmm. In a way, it's choosing the ones that actually serve you. That's the key right there, right? If you're choosing the the good coffee, you're choosing a good habit versus you're desiring, you know, whether it be egoistic experiences. I think that's the key there is, is choosing what desires serve you. Because to some degree, you're, you're, any what the Buddhists have right is that if you reverse engineer suffering, to some degree it is you desire something, right? So it's yeah. like, if you're going to suffer from a desire anyways, right? Because if you don't get your cup of coffee, you're going to suffer. It is what it is, right? Yeah. If I don't get my ice bath in the morning, I'm going to suffer. So it's kind of choosing hmm. which like, to, which inputs you have or desires you have to, to, you know, so you're not choosing the ones that can cause too much unnecessary suffering, right? Yeah. What are some desires on that branch? What are some desires that you've had that you've had to shift or change? Like what mm. desires in your life have you had that were bringing too much suffering that you've had to kind of cut out? Wow. Yeah. I, I love where this is going. Like it's all choice, right? The power of choice to me is just, uh, it's, it's everything. Um, and yeah, choosing your path of desire. Yeah. Um, well, I've really chose to, um, to be celibate, you know, that was a big mm. choice in my life that I've made in the past year. How long have you been celibate? It's been 117 days, so. <laughs> yeah. Counting each day exactly. <laughs> well, I just like, it, I'm like keeping track because it's like the longest I've ever went. You know, I went 60 days last year and then, um, you know, desire came back into play and that was a, that was a choice that I made and I, I pursued that choice and I got some valuable lessons out of uh, those choices. And then I made a commitment to myself this year that I'm going to, um, I'm going to be celibate again. I'm going to focus this whole year. Do you have an end date or, or? To the end of the year is what I gave myself to do the end of 2023. Um, really just wanted to see, like I spent the last, I don't even know my whole life basically, um, being with women, you mm -hmm. know, and I, I love women. They're, they're the most beautiful creatures in the world. Like they're, they're amazing. And I, I have many female friends and you know, all this, all this stuff. I love feminine energy, but um, they can also be like a huge distraction when you're trying to build something. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, so yeah, I just said, well, I've spent my so many years with women. Let's see. And I, I know what happens in that result. And it was like starting to be the same pattern over and over. And there was a lot of fun, but it's like, okay, what happens if I remove that from the equation and, you know, I'll still have friendships and this kind of stuff, but, uh, no leaky sexual energy. And if I just channel all that energy into something that I'm building, uh, with a bigger purpose, you know, for the world, 
And that's what I'm doing. And so far, it's been pretty so cool. So what's the effect that I've been? It's, it's been beneficial? It's been powerful because, like, I have so much more energy to channel in. Like, it, it, women, you know, it, especially, like, a, a powerful conscious woman. And, and that's amazing. And one day, like, I, I hope to have the space for that again in my life. But they could take up a lot of space, you know. And it could take up, it's a whole, it's a whole other part of life. And it's beautiful. And I, I love it. I'm just choosing this one year to see what happens. Hmm. Do you, have, do you think it's going to go past that or could it be like a 50 year old man, you know, no, still sell of it. Do you think that could be, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Like it's, I'm, I'm curious. I'm excited to see, like, it's like, yeah, I'm like just literally curious and excited to see how it plays out. And do if, you have any temptations at all? All like, the time. It's, you know, especially in Austin, there's beautiful women, conscious women, you know, like conscious yeah. leading women. What's the fact of that? Cause I always think like intellectually, I can say that the more, non-needy and like not pursuant of women or either on the a woman pursuing men too and that's it's the same laws i think that you actually get a lot more attention so has it been like how has it been in terms of women like how do they feel differently like <laughs> is it true like that intellectual idea that the more you don't want something the more you actually attract it you know? yeah it's a paradox and that's what makes it so ironic is like the more that i'm like planting this flag of commitment into the ground and it's planted the more that you're tempted by the the opposite or the more that they, they'll try to test you but the the commitment is there so it's like it, it's it's firm um but it's part of it you know it's part of life and uh it's a it's a choice that i made and we'll see if i can make it throughout the year but i i believe i can are you also doing like semen retention yeah stuff? <laughs> yeah how long do you, do you do you go with that kind of stuff? Well, it's part of the it's part of the commitment. So, so you it's do like, 117 days. Yeah, attention. <laughs> yeah. So you've nutted in 117 days. Correct. Yeah. How does that feel? It feels incredible. It's like such a code. It's like one of the biggest life hacks I've ever discovered. And I I got this from a guy that's been doing it for eight years. And the guy looks incredible. His energy was like super high, super high frequency. He's married now, and he has sex with his wife, um, but he he doesn't yeah. doesn't ejaculate. And the guy was just on such a high frequency. And I meet, I meet cool, interesting people all the time uh, through my work. But this guy was just such a unique human being. And uh, I was just like, wow. And he was like, yeah, this is a, a code. And then the more I dove into it, there's, there's actually a lot of like, oh, for sure, yeah. there's a lot of research behind it. Um, even taps it into it in the Bible. But um, yeah, it's a whole code in itself. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. But that, that's like next level of discipline. Next level discipline. Yeah. It's like, but it's like, look at the opposite of that, you know, look what watching porn and having leaky energy and, and being needy. And for me, that's just like, it's worse. It's, it's way worse. So it's like, I know it's, this could be considered extremes and like the pendulum. So I'm trying to find, you know, balance in that, but I just find being able to harness your sexual energy, which is creative energy. And then to pour that into something that is bigger than myself. You know, it's bigger than what Alex Wolf wants. It's, this is this is like building a company that's never been built before, you know? So it's like, for me, this is my mission. And uh, the more I can pour into it, into my company, you know, the more it helps my my team and, and their family, you know, putting food on their table. And then that just ripples out to their friends, their family. And it, it's, it's a bigger than, it's bigger than me, you know? So it's like, and you know, women are always going to be there, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's uh, that'll be another chapter in my life that I, I really look forward to with the right woman. Yeah. When, whenever I go time without ejaculating, I get too much 
I've been young. I get too much like Charged energy. Up. I get too jacked up. I can't sleep sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> For me, I often do because I just can't. I won't be able to fall asleep. So how are you managing? Does it happen to you where you feel like too jacked up, or how are you? Or is it you're, gonna, you're aging now, or it's not like that? Because I have my mentor. You know, we talk about your mentor. I have a mentor I've had for since I was twenty. He's like sixty-five. He hasn't nutted in like ten years. Bro. Wow. He's just like he's, he's on just, it. He's just dead, dead centered. And I ask him. He's like he he told me he has to like do. Um, like qigong and move his energy in yeah. some way so how are you like, are you moving that energy somehow like how are you not letting it like get you too jacked up yeah for sure I, I i'm very active i run i lift weights i do mace training i you know all this biohacking stuff i play pickleball so it's like constant moving dancing um and then i'm fortunate enough to have a business where i could just like pour a lot of my energy into to this company um so yeah if someone was just sitting at home the sleep gummies too sleep gummies, sleep gummies are, <laughs> thanks for that yeah the sleep gummies actually help me a lot right now um so yeah i i, I go to bed every night lucas like i'd say honestly 99 percent of the time where my mind is at peace and i have a bit of a smile on my face and like so i know i'm doing something right you know but uh it's been i'm glad you brought this up no one's really asked me this especially on camera but uh, my bad. <laughs> no it's all good it's it's real and uh it's true um but this has been a major code you know and i i'd actually really recommend it to anybody like just try it and see what happens like you're gonna have way more energy and everything is energy in this world so it's like what do you want to pour your energy into you know is it is it another one night stand or like do you want to, or a relationship that's totally cool. That's totally fine. Or do you want to pour it into something like bigger than yourself? These are all just choices that you can make and they're all, none of them is the wrong choices. It's all just going to lead you to a certain yeah. path. So yeah, it's interesting. So the fact that you go to go to sleep with no issues, I think a lot of stress to some degree is a reflection of responsibility or perceived responsibility. Like how much responsibility do you think we actually have? Mm. So how do you, how can you have as much responsibility as you have in your reality and your business and having a team and, being a good friend to many people mm -hmm. how can you balance having a lot of responsibility and not having it affect your stress levels Oof. um yeah it's a, it's it's constant expansion you know so it's 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 a challenge but i find i i've got to a point where i grow through challenges you know like in the valleys we grow and in these valleys is where the obstacles come and you overcome these obstacles and then you're climbing up the mountain and then you realize there's another mountain. So it's like, um, it's all part of it. But um, yeah, does that answer the question? Or Yeah, so you kind of see it as as a, a necessary path for enlightenment in a way that like the actual responsibilities create um, deeper challenges or opportunities to connect with yourself and achieve a higher state of being because... You know, you, there's two routes. You can either choose the route of the monk of just like mm. extreme being, just trying to chill all the time, or you can choose the one of the real the one in reality who's going through challenges in real world to attract things. So what you're saying is that you kind of see it's a perspective thing. It's, yeah. a, it's a choice perspective. Seeing responsibility as like an invitation to actually grow versus one to be stressed out. Totally. That's big in the moment, right? Because I think I can I can struggle with that as I I choose to perceive it as like a struggle or like this annoying thing, but. You can see in the moment as oh, okay, I'm actually just leveling up. This is this is making me better. Constantly leveling up. Once you realize yeah. there's levels to this thing, it's like okay, and you could look at it as a game, whatever perspective you want to put on it. I I like gamifying things and like yeah, this is a game, and it's like I chose to come into this this game, and how I play it is is everything. So if I show up, it's like okay, this is a game. This is how I level up, and I gotta you know 
<laughs> eat the mushrooms to grow like <laughs> Mario or get the star or whatever it is or get the flowers like it, these are all just codes as part of the game to to grow and it's like responsibilities are the way that we grow and if you can look at the word it's your ability to respond you know responsibility and uh there's there's like a, I've heard this before is like there's a stimulus like something that happens and then there's a space and then there's our response you know and sometimes like the more that we could focus on that space it it gives us more ability to respond you know so i i i i do my best to implement that when stimuluses arise it's like okay how do i create a space i breathe focus on my breathing slow down extend the exhale and then i have a bigger a better ability to respond and then then more challenges come you know and as you're building a business uh, especially with what we're doing there's constantly challenges so it's like i'm constantly having to level up my ability to respond but this is where the growth happens and you're able to you just find like there's more and more that you're capable of doing and like necessity sometimes is like such a gift because like when you need to do something you have no choice or there's always a choice but you know what i mean if you, you really just need to get this done you'll find a way to get it done yeah so the, i appreciate all that so the last section i kind of want to focus on before we and also for my own selfish reasons i'm, I'm figuring it out myself is you know, I think one of the beauties of being an entrepreneur to some degree is how much rejection you face on the path, mm. right? You're going to have tons of emails not answered. You have a ton of, a ton of investors saying no. Mm. And it can be the same romantically, right? It can be a lot of no's before you meet your woman or your man totally. or anything. So how was that for you? Did you face a lot of rejection? And how did you keep a like straight head while doing that? And how do you deal with it now? Like, how did you overcome that fear in a way? I think it's a necessary fear to overcome, especially if you're an entrepreneur. Yeah, I agree. And that just got built up over my 20s and 30s. There was, there's, rejection is just a part of life. And you realize that there's going to be no's. And then once you realize like the worst thing that somebody could say is no, and you just accept that, it's really not that bad, you know? And then you realize like it's having a trust, you know? So trust is, is cultivated and once you have that trust in in life like something bigger than yourself like trust in god or the universe or infinite intelligence whatever you want to call it but you trust that like what is meant to be will be as long as you do your best you know i'm a big believer in just doing your best and showing up you know if you commit to something you show up and you show up as your best self and your best self could vary from day to day but it's really just doing your best your your ability to respond and um having trust that what's meant to be it will be yeah i think the key here is not letting the rejection affect your self-worth mm. and what you point to there is maybe a good way i should actually analyze it now is that going back to frequencies right if i think attraction whether it's business you attract a business partner or investor or romantic partner to some degree an attraction is some level of polarity it's some level mm. of like even frequencies mm. attracting or opposite ones attracting to some degree, therefore, if like you're vibrating high, you're, you're a high frequency, the lower ones, you may think in your egoistic uh, Alex or Lucas mind, thinking like, oh, this could be the one, but they're not, the frequency down here, or maybe yeah. even like up here sometimes, it is what it is, but like sure. to some level, it's just like your frequency isn't, isn't matching with it. Most of the time, it's actually a good thing that they would might bring you down. It's the universe looking out for you. So I think, is that your perspective in a way of what helps you keep yourself worth feeling like, oh, they just weren't a match for my frequency and that's okay. And nothing to do yeah. with me. And, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's having trust, you know, Tr I trust life. You know, I, I trust life that it's going to all work out. And the more that I trust in that, the more I believe in that, 
it is, you know, and it's been like that for me for a long time. So it's like that part of my life is working, you know? So it's like, well, I don't need to change that. I'm just going to have unwavering faith and, and trust yeah. and it works out. What was the moment where that was tested the most? Where the faith that trust was tested the most? How did you keep mm. believing? I think it's hard. I can right now when things are having a great conversation with you and things are going well, I can think, thank you, God, universe. But I'm entitled in many ways. I can be like if I had, for example, recently I had a number of things just completely not go my way at all. Right. And then that egoistic entitlement comes up like, why is this happening? Yeah. So how can you cultivate that? That faith, I think that's real faith. Real faith is actually believing even when nothing's going your way or your Correct. ego's way. So it's a big life hack in my way. It's a code, I think, is to have faith when things aren't going well. So how how do, do you do that? How do you have faith when things aren't going well? And there's an example of when it wasn't going well that you still had faith in. Yeah, I've always I've always kept the faith over the last, you know, even when, when times got tough in the last like 10, 15 years, I just had faith that things were going to turn around. And I've... I believe in God, you know, I, mm -hmm. I believe in God. I put that faith in something bigger than myself, bigger than Alex Wolf. And I, I put my energy into that, knowing that whatever's going to come up, um, it's all part of it. And then sometimes that's, that's my identity or that's me attracting that situation so I could learn something and learning. I believe learning is why we're here, learning, growing, you know, it's not all, it's not all champagne and roses and high fives. It's like there's there's obstacles, there's challenges. But even those obstacles and challenges is what qualified me to to get here, to be able to to sit with you on this podcast. That everything up to this moment, like it was it was a qualifier. So I believe I believe those. That's why I came here. I believe that's why my soul is here is to learn and to grow and to 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 push past these these limits. Yeah, I think that's also a useful perspective when facing challenges. Is that this for one for me is like this will keep happening until I solve it. Because if my soul is here mm. to learn and to grow, mm -hmm. like that's a condition, right? If you engineer it, then that means that I'm gonna inevitably attract things that test that. Mm -hmm. Therefore I have to actually solve this thing so it stops happening. So yeah. even if it sucks, in my mind it's like I have no fucking choice. Yeah. I have to get over this or else because my soul's mission is to grow and evolve for the next evolution or to clear the karma, I actually have to do this thing. Bingo. Which is which is useful. But I wanna thank you very much for, for coming on and giving all these these codes for free. Hopefully <laughs> some men stop ejaculating as much to my watch in this. Um, but where can people find you and, and shop your, your new some of your new stuff from your company? Thank you so much. You really had a blast doing this and you had some great questions, some great insights yourself. I'm always thank learning you. too, man. So thank you. Um yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Mr. Alex Wolf and uh at Eon's family. Um we got a lot of cool com uh, cool things coming out with Eon. So yeah, stay tuned. Great. Thank you, man. Awesome. Appreciate thank it. you, bro. Thank you. <laughs> of course.